purpose for us. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Pastor. And it's been a joy to be here. And uh, I've told you about a lot of places this week already. Linda and I spent 20 years in French-speaking Africa. Donc, si j'ai vu les lefebvre, je peux prêcher en français. Mais je pense pour vous, c'est mieux que je parle en anglais. I could preach in French, but I think it's better that I stay with Hillbilly. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, so uh, we do pretty good at that. We're working on our English. We spent 20 years in, well, 16 years in Senegal and several years down in the jungle in, in the Zaire, it was called back then, the old Belgian Congo. And it's been a joy. We raised five children on the mission field. Several of them were born there. And uh, we just had a great time. And then since then, uh, we got chased out of our country because of fighting. And I became pastor. And I love being a pastor. For nine years, I pastored my own church, my Sydney church, taught missions at Ambassador Baptist College. And then the last 20 years, it's been like a, I mean, we, we do things we never dreamed you could do. Uh, we get asked to come out with our missionaries and, and national pastors all over the world and across America. And we get to, I get to preach, we get to see people saved and just involved. Now, I told you about Africa, I told you about Japan and many other places this week. And this morning, Brother Hoover, you've heard part of this, but I want to tell you about a, a, another place I haven't mentioned all this week, but it's just such a great story. I've got to tell it. And I think the last time I was here, I was probably talking about Fiji. Now, you know, you would remember that, most of you, but uh, back in um, one of our years, our missionaries from Southeast Asia, they were meeting on Fiji for a field conference, just a week of having fellowship and some preaching, and they were sitting in this restaurant, and this man walked into the little restaurant there, and the missionary said to the director, that's the prime minister. And the missionary said that, I mean, the director said, that is not the prime minister, that's the gardener. Because he had on blue jeans, pullover shirt. He just stood up and started going over there and put out, and bodyguards came from everywhere. It was the prime minister. Well, he introduced himself, he embarrassed himself, he couldn't say the man's name. It was about that long. Well, he witnessed to him, had his picture taken with him, came back to America, and put that picture in his Bible every day when he opened his Bible to read it. He would pray for that prime minister and for Fiji. Well, a couple of months went by, and the Lord kind of was prodding his heart and said, write that man a letter and witness to him again. And he did. And then, now, just think about this. The prime minister of the country called us at BIMI. And in the course of that conversation, we were talking about one of the things. We plant churches, but one of the tools we use is giving out Bibles. And he said to us, would you be willing to come to our country and give Bibles to every student in our schools? Man, would we? And we said, yes, sir. And then it hit us. Sir, how many Bibles are you talking about? And he's counting high schools, middle school. He said, well, about 220,000 students. We didn't have a penny. And uh, we said, sir, would you give us a year to pray about this? And we did a little uh, video, sent it out. We didn't really say an awful lot about it. Within a year, these Bibles are printed on former communist printing presses in Belarus. Whole King James Bibles, preacher. Maps in the back, cross-references, plan of salvation in the front. And uh, I got to go out when we first started that. 
And not only did we get to give out the Bibles, they invited us every school, Hindu schools, Muslim schools, Catholic schools, military schools. They gave us an hour to come and preach the gospel. Oh, man, I got to go out there, and we were giving out Bibles, and I, gave, I was preaching in one school, and I gave one to a teacher, and she came to me, and she's holding that Bible just like this. She said, sir, you didn't know it. Today's my birthday. I'm 60 years old today. This is the best birthday present I've ever had. We're preaching in a, in a Hindu school. Outside, I mean like 1,500 high schoolers standing out in that baking tropical sun. And the rain clouds started coming in. And the, the headmaster didn't want us there anyway. She said, we have to send them back to their classes. And Brother Alan Brooks, who was heading our team, he said, Dear God, please stop the rain right now so we can give out Bibles today. And folks, it didn't just taper off. It quit raining like that. And we took our hour and preached the gospel and gave out Bibles and all the Hindu students are coming running. Sir, would you sign my Bible? We never seen anything like that. The Christian God has big ears. <laughs> well, we gave out 230,000 Bibles in Fiji. Well, so a couple years went by and then we got another call. And this time it was from Papua New Guinea. And they said, we heard what you all did in Fiji. Would you be willing to come to our country and give out Bibles in our schools? And, folks, this is it's almost at the end. It would have already been finished except for COVID. I mean, they shut down totally under COVID. But we got people there right now. And I, I can't. I, I got to go there, too. I go to these places. I want to stay there. When you can go to schools all over and, and have an hour and they're just so, they're standing, sitting out or standing out in that baking sun and just drinking in as you preach and share the gospel. We have given, we have right now 1,150,000 Bibles in Papua New Guinea. We have given out over close to now to 900,000 Bibles. The others are there, and we're giving them out as we can with the COVID situation. But I just wanted you to know that. It's like, as Brother Hoover said, sometimes you're here, and thank God for what God's doing here, but I just want you to know that God is not dead. Amen. <clears throat> and there are people out there just, not only did we give out over a million Bibles, but that means we preached over a million people. Because every school, and a lot of times their parents would be, we'd be in a city and preaching to the school, and there would be people lined up at the fence listening to every, every word we said. So I just, had to, I just had to tell you that this morning before I speak. Now, I'm going to do something, preacher. Forgive me, because I know he's been preaching through Jonah. Are you still preaching through Jonah? We're done with that, so <clears throat> All right, I want you to open your Bibles. <laughs> it scares the preacher when the missionary announces the same all right, well, this won't be like my, my sermon. I mean, we would say my sermon won't be like Pastor Kyle's anyway. Uh, but uh, I, want you to, I want you to find in your Bible the book of Jonah. Now, if you don't know where Jonah's at, let me tell you how to find it. <clears throat> when we went to Africa, nobody, they were not Christians. They were Muslim people. And they didn't know anything about the Bible. So if you said open your Bible to the book of Genesis or the book of Psalms or the book of Matthew, they had no idea what that was. So we taught them to sing the books of the Bible. Amen. Now, we, I can't sing, so forgive me for that part, but we would start in Genesis, and we would sing, Genesis exode levitica, nombra deuteronoma, 
Joshua, Jezerut, under Samuel, under what? Under Chronica. We just kept singing right up through the Apocalypse of John, the Revelation of John. So if I announced my text there and I said, let's find the book of Jonah, I would hear people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> So maybe by now you all have found it. That's why I did that. <clears throat> now, you, all have, you know the story of Jonah. God's servant, he was already a prophet, a successful prophet, by the way. And God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he didn't want to go to Nineveh. And there's a reason for that. So when I, let me, can I play a little game with you? I know this is church, but I just want you to think. Uh, if I say a certain word, I want you to tell me what you would add to it. For example, Barnes and Noble. Uh, I'm going to go back. This is for you older folks. Roy Rogers and somebody said the 11, somebody else said trigger. <clears throat> Batman and uh, Bonnie and Jonah and <laughs> how did I know y'all were going to do that? <clears throat> so that's exactly what I, I knew you were going to say. But can I challenge you today that uh, I think this is the greatest mission book in the Old Testament. And it's really not about a whale. That's right. I like the book for several reasons. The the word Jonah in the French Bible is Jonas. Well, you all know me as JB, but they named me after my grandfather, so the J in my name is Jonas. So I identified with the book because Jonas in uh, in Arabic it's, it's Yunus. And it means dove. But Jonas is my namesake. I also like it because in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 8, just listen to the verse. It says, And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die. Well, I read that and identified with it because I thought he surely was bald. <laughs> Now, I know some of you some of you don't think Christians ought to have fun. I don't agree with you. So um, <clears throat> I tell people, Linda won't let me wear a turtleneck sweater anymore. Because she said when I do, I look like a bottle of roll on deodorant. But anyway, that's uh, the younger <laughs> younger people won't get that either. And I'm having a little fun, but I am heading, heading somewhere. And, I, and my message, how many of y'all would say amen? I have not been long any time I preach this week. I think, personally, the devil has succeeded in hiding the real meaning of this book. And I believe it's one of the deepest and grandest themes ever written in the Bible. It's one of those books you almost want to take your shoes off when you read it because you're walking on holy ground. Amen. It's not about a whale. It's about missions because it's about God. And the story that God tells us here about this man Jonah and the fish and the city, uh, the reason we have it is because of what it shows to us about the God we served. And we just sang about him a little bit ago. A servant of God who was unresponsive to the love of God for other people. 
Some people get so, uh, <clears throat> G. Campbell Morgan said, some people get so busy with the tape measure trying to find out whether a man would fit into a fish that they never plumb the, <clears throat> excuse me, that they never plumb the depths of deity. They, we miss the purpose of the book so often. But the fundamental truth of the book, I think, is found in the last chapter. By the way, you see, if you have small print in your Bible, it may be on only two pages. I mean, it's only four chapters. But toward the end of the book, chapter 4 and verse 11, God is speaking to Jonah. Listen to what he said. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left? Pastor Hoover was telling us about our great cities. Well, look, what does God see when he sees a big city? He says, should not I spare Atlanta? Should not I spare Los Angeles? Should not I spare Chicago? Let me give you three simple thoughts from the book. Thought number one, the call of Jonah. Chapter one and verse one. Now the word of the Lord came into Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Well, look at chapter 3. It's probably just next door there, chapter 3 and verse number 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Look, there's nothing in those two sections, those four verses, nothing in those verses to excite our ridicule. God calls people. Aren't you glad, by the way, that God is in the name calling business? He knows everything about you. He knows you personally. God so loved the world, but that really means God loves you and you and me. And God calls people. Why does God call? Look, that's, only God can answer that question. But God loves the world and God speaks to us. And folk, if we did not have his word, we would know very little about him. I mean, you can't, how could you drive across Montana and not believe there's a God? I mean, you see that in, in creation, the beauty of it, the vastness of it, the intricacy of it. Psalm 19, I just read this morning, the heavens declare the glory of God, but we would not know the love and the mercy and grace of God if we didn't have this book. I don't know when I started doing it, but in my life, and I've been reading my Bible every day for 55 years. Linda and I have a lot of fun. We read it in five different languages every day. I read six, but I switch out every once in a while. Uh, By the way, the Japanese Christians told me, they said, Brother Godfrey, when we read our Bibles, we agree with God. They said, you Americans, you read your Bibles. But anyway, that's neat. <clears throat> At some point in time in my Bible reading, I started doing this and I've done it ever since. Every time the Bible says God spake to, or the word of the Lord came to, or a phrase like that where God spoke, I started underlining it. Amen. Now, if you do that in the Old Testament, it'll keep you busy. 
But I do that on purpose because, folks, we're not dealing with some man's philosophy. We're dealing with what God said. That's right. In the Old Testament alone, that those expressions like that are given 3,800 times. God's still speaking today. God's still wooing people today. God's still calling people today. God's still speaking to the hearts of young men and men and said, I want you to be a preacher. Young ladies, I want you to be a missionary or a preacher's wife or whatever. Or teach a Sunday school class. By the way, it's no more spiritual to go to Africa if God wants you here. That's right. I, I tell young people all the time, I've been privileged to teach in Christian colleges for 19 years of my life. The place is the least important thing of all of it. You surrender, you answer his call, he'll get you to the place that he wants you to in his time. We were in, uh, Linda and I, maybe she wasn't with me. I was in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, Wildwood Baptist Church. You know my good friend Randy King down there. I was at Oshkosh, and this man, young man came up to me and said, Brother Godfrey, do you remember me? How many older people you wish kids wouldn't do that? Because <laughs> I didn't remember him. I said, help me a little bit. He said, I grew up in Massachusetts, and my mother, and the moment he said that, uh, that church supported us back when we were still young missionaries and I had a head full of hair and I used to go up there every furlough and this young guy grew up in that church and one furlough I'd written my prayer letter and I was going to be up near Fairhaven Baptist College and the mother wrote me a letter and said, Brother Godfrey, Jim, my son, just got married. He just moved over there. Would you stop by and see him? And I did and I spent a day with this young man who was just married. He wasn't even in school yet. He took me over and showed me around that college and so on. So I had not seen him since until that day in Wildwood Baptist Church in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. He came up to me and said, Brother Godfrey, you, you remember that day you spent with us, with my wife and I? That day God called me to be a preacher. Amen. And now he's assistant pastor at Wildwood Baptist Church. I just want you to know God's still speaking. He's still calling. He's still dealing with us as individuals. But God had a strange word for Jonah. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. That's kind of like God telling the boy from South Carolina, I want you to go to New York City. <laughs> it's actually worse, okay? Nineveh, Lord, are you serious? I mean, Nineveh at that time, there were 1,200 towers around the city. They were 200 feet high. They say you could ride, have three chariots side by side riding on the wall. These people conquered their enemies. They made pyramids with human heads. They sacrificed their sons and daughters. They cut off the hands of the kings they conquered and hung them on the wall of the, of the city. Assyria, Nineveh was, was the capital was the rising world power, and God had already revealed they were going to come and destroy Nineveh. Think about that. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Imagine God telling some Jewish person in Hitler's regime, I want you to go to Berlin. And I want you to preach the message that they're going to be forgiven. Uh -huh. 
Jacob DeShazer, I don't know if you know that name or not, you may. Jacob DeShazer was one of Doolittle's raiders. He wasn't the pilot. They left the ship in the Pacific, headed to drop the first bombs on Japan in World War II. Japanese Navy spotted them. The planes had to leave early. They knew when they left, they would never come back to that ship. They all went down in Japan or China. The Shazer's plane went down. His pilot, several of those men were captured. He was not a Christian. The pilot of his plane died in captivity in China, captured by the Japanese. Jacob Dushazer was put into prison, tortured, solitary confinement for a lot of it. For whatever reason, I'll tell you this, it was God. Dushazer, in solitary confinement, was allowed to have a Bible for a couple of weeks. They never turned the light off, and for two weeks he almost lived reading the Word of God. And he became a Christian in a prison in, in China. When the war ended, he came back to Portland, Oregon, where he was from, and he went to Bible college. And God called him to be a missionary to Japan. And he wrote a tract called, I Was a Prisoner of the Japanese. And he went back to Japan, and all over Japan they gave out thousands upon thousands of those tracts. And as he was doing that, and as he was preaching, he won a man to the Lord named Fuchida-san. Fuchida was the commander of the Pearl Harbor bombing raid. And Jacob DeShazer won him to Christ. God said, Jonah, that's where I want you to go. Not an easy place. I want you to go to a country that's going to come and destroy your own nation. And Jonah said, Lord, I'll go, I'll go anywhere but not there. He, he said what Peter said, not so, Lord. The generosity of God displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he slashed with angry prayer at the graciousness of the Almighty. I told you so, he screamed. I knew what you would do, you dirty forgiver. You bless your enemies and, and show kindness to those who despitefully use you. I'd rather die than live in a world with a God like you. And don't you try to forgive me either. The call of Jonah. And God is still calling people. Sometimes he calls people to go to the inner cities. Not an easy place. But boy, do we need the gospel there. My second thought is, is this, the call of Jonah, number one, number two, the compassion of God. Yeah. If you don't get this, you have not rightly read the book of Jonah. That's right. Chapter four in verse two, let's listen to it. Well, let me read verse one there. And it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O God, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew, listen, that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. What a God. Think about those words. What, what kind of God, folk, do we serve? What kind of God saved us? What kind of God keeps us? What kind of God blesses us? Well, let me tell you what kind. Gracious merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness. How many of us would say 
thank God that a lot of times in my life he should have just taken me out of here, but he didn't. He loved me when I was making a wreck of my life. Let me remind, remind you uh, that God loves the rest of the world. Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted. And were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Psalm 86 5. For thou Lord art good and ready to forgive. And plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. And I love 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 19. The Lord is long suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, God saying, Jonah, the God of the Hebrews has a concern for the rest of the world. Why does your pastor believe it's important to do a missions conference? And to send out church planners and missionaries all over this world. And Jonah needed to learn a lesson. Jonah needed to learn that God not only loved the people of Israel, but God loves the rest of the world. Not only do you see that in God wanting Jonah to go to Nineveh, I think you also see the tenderness in the heart of God in dealing with a man like Jonah. How many of you ever see something going on and you think, man, if I were God, I'd just take care of that problem right now? That's the Marine in me, maybe. I don't know, but I... Okay, folks, that's my second point. I'm finished. The book of Jonah is about God. God wants people to be saved. More than that, he pleads with people to be saved. He gave us his his word from the very beginning. He sent his son into this world. The book of John is about God. Two points down, I've only got one. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let me give my third point. The challenge to us, the church of Christ today. Let me take a little liberty here and read it this way. Now the word of the Lord came unto the church saying, Arise, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. But sometimes I'm concerned that Jonah's descendants may be among the most numerous groups in some churches. Some folk, I'm not fussing, please don't take it that way, but there are people sitting in our churches, they give a pittance to missions. Because they really believe that Christianity is just for middle class Americans only. Can I just remind us of something today? God wants to save people regardless of the color of their skin. God wants to save Hispanics. Mm-hmm. Well, brother, God, but they're illegal. Okay, God will handle all that. That's right. That's yeah. right. They need to be safe wherever they're at. That's right. God wants to save Muslim people. That's right. I know sometimes, I mean, in 9-11, a lot of us didn't think that way. Mm-hmm. Lord, I'm going to join back up and we'll go... Okay, I'm not preaching anti-American sentiment. I'm a conservative. I'm as red, you know. I, 
I'm too old to go back in the Marines. I wouldn't survive it, but I'd be willing. But I believe that Muslim people need to be saved. I believe that liberals need to be saved. I don't, not only do I believe that, I know that, but anyway. <laughs> the work of missions, and I mean by that reaching people, soul winning, planting church. The work of missions is not a little optional annex we could just kind of tack on to the side of what we do in God's church. Yeah. It's the heart of who we are, what we do. If we're not doing that, we're really not functioning as a church. That's right. And a church cannot give any better evidence that they're dead than a refusal to do what God clearly told us to do. Have you ever wondered, if, don't raise your hand, please. Have you ever been around churches that are arguing and church splits and things like that? Let me tell you why I believe that happens. Because they lose sight of our goal and what we ought to be doing and they get petty and self-centered and egotistical. And a church like that, they end up being a hotbed and breeding place of suspicion and bickering and malice. And people get upset because somebody sat in their chair. Stand up if you have to. We don't come to church so we can sit down, thank God for beautiful building and all that. But that's not why we go to church. We go to church to worship God and to share the gospel with other people and to encourage each other. Well, at the turn of the, from the 19th century into the 20th century, mission agencies pleaded for missionaries to go to China and Japan. But we didn't send missionaries. And we ended up sending our sons in uniform. Clergyman asked the Duke of Wellington in England, does not your grace think it's extravagant and almost useless to preach the gospel to the Hindus? And the great general looked at that person and said, what are your marching orders, sir? And our marching orders are clear. We're to go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And Jonah stalked to his shaded seat and waited for God to come around to his way of thinking. And God's still waiting for a host of Jonas in their comfortable homes to come around to his way of loving. He had a successful ministry. He was a great preacher. He was one of God's prophets. But God wanted him to move. Did you ever notice that sometimes God has a way of interrupting our lives? Yes. And Jonah said, I will demonstrate my immediate obedience providing you comply with my demand for a more satisfying assignment. Sure. And Jonah built a little booth, a shelter from the heat. A gourd vine grew, protection from the wind that on him beat. And Jonah rejoiced exceeding glad for this convenient gourd, especially since this comfort was provided by the Lord. I thank thee, Lord, that thou hast been so good to my dear wife and me. 
We're glad we're in a peaceful land of great prosperity. It makes us feel so good. The little, this little bungalow, the kitchenette, the living room, the rug's so soft, you know. We love our children, everyone. We keep them home for God. The homeland needs them just as much as mission fields abroad. And fundamentalists are we, my children, wife, and I. So thankful that we're saved by grace, secure until we die. What didst thou say, O Nineveh? Well, that's another thing. Right now, we want to praise our God. We're sheltered neath his wing. Thus fundamental Jonah's to the Lord their praises tell. We sing we're saved and satisfied while Nineveh goes to hell. Our marching, our marching orders are clear. Those of you who've been here all this week know that I'm not an arm twister. I don't try to beat you over the head with truth, but I do try to help us all understand. It's very clear what we ought to be doing. We ought to be doing everything we can. Giving of ourselves, our time, our, our words, and keep gospel tracts in your pocket, whatever it is, or giving to get the missionaries out. Our march, marching orders are clear. You all are going to be making a decision. Some of you already have. Linda and I, well, three weeks ago, I guess, I had the privilege of preaching the missions conference in the church where we're members. We tell people we're the best church members in the world because we're not there to cause trouble. <laughs> and we send our tithe and faith promise back every month. <laughs> so whether we're in the conference or not, we still make our commitment. But what a... What a joy and pleasure it is that after so many years I get to preach the conference and I get to go forward with the people in our church. And we make our commitment. Why? Because in our heart of hearts we know that God is merciful and gracious. And he wants people to be saved. And dear Lord, I pray that you'd work in our hearts today. Thank you for what you're doing here, for the outreach to the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and around the world to the uttermost part of the world. And I pray that you'd bless in this service. And as they take their faith promise commitment, I pray that it would be the thing that would honor you and every person would do what you put upon their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment as we finish the service. I want to give just a, just a brief time to... Respond to the Lord. If God's spoken to your heart, we'll give you an opportunity. Maybe the Lord stirred you. Uh, maybe you found yourselves in the place of Jonah.